some of us who have teenagers and all that, they've gone back to school. Some of us are already empty nesters, so all the kids are in college or even maybe married and they've gone out of the house. And it's a good time for us to reflect on our relationship with our spouses. It's a good time for us to reflect, those of us who are single, on what are we building and what do we have ahead of us as we prepare for the actualization of our marital destinies. And that's why uh, we set apart a whole month as a church to look deeply into the issues of relationship, of marriage. Another reason why we do this as a church is also because we know that the church must take responsibility for what is happening in our society. Uh, in recent times, I've taken my time to study on this series as we're going into it. And one of my uh, studies with my team, we realized that the divorce and separation rate in Africa, especially in Nigeria, has started to go up. You know, when you, when you check on the internet, most of the time what you get is uh, statistics from the West, from America, from, 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 from Europe. Those are the statistics we get. We don't get statistics about what is happening right here in Africa. But recent statistics from here in Africa is showing that it looks like where the West was in the late 70s is where we are right now as regards uh, um, what is happening in marriages. In the late 70s, the feminist movement became very strong in the West. So the issues that surround women empowerment, women and children empowerment, and all that became more prevalent. There was a bit of pressure on the United Nations to set aside funds uh, uh, to tackle women empowerment issues and children issues. So uh, development comes with its own baggage. So the, the, the women get more empowered, and then uh, the attendant result is that uh, we take our lives into our own hands as, as women folk. Uh, some of the things that women can take before, they don't longer take it today. And some men are just extremely traditional. They want to do the same thing the same way, and they think they will get the same result. And, um, <laughs> you know, and so that, that's creating a lot of pressure. A recent statistics from a paper, a thesis, I think a PhD thesis that I uh, saw online, actually asserted that um, the rate of divorce in northern Nigeria has gone up in the last three years, you know, seriously. And those are people who ordinarily, you know, I mean, polygamous is very prevalent, and they cope with it. But now, they're no longer coping with it. Women are getting more, extremely more enlightened. The stigma around divorce is going away with development. Yeah, it's going away gradually with development. I mean, uh, I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and those times, my mom used to tell us, as you can see, there are issues in this home, but I will not leave because of you, because I want you to turn out well. But the story is changing now. Women are beginning to say, look, I have my life to live. I cannot mortgage my happiness because of a child. We're hearing stuff like that. We don't used to hear that. And in, in many of our cultures, divorce was also a taboo. So when a woman leaves her husband, she is stigmatized. So if you're a Yoruba-speaking person like myself, uh, in Yoruba, a woman that left her husband or that is divorced is called Ilimoshu or something like that. I cannot pronounce it very well. Please pardon me if you can do it better than me. <laughs> you know. And I know in, um, in the Hebrew-speaking part of this country, in the Niger Delta, in, you know, in the north, 
everywhere, we have a way of stigmatizing women, especially when they leave their husband. Am I saying the truth? But you see, the effect of that stigma is wearing out because of development. And all this is putting pressure on homes. The things that people can take in time past, they can no longer take them. So the rate, we, may not, we don't have the exact statistics. In North America right now, they say it's 50%. One out of every two marriages conducted today will, will, will go down. Maybe in five years, some two years, some one year. And uh, the rate here is becoming also very alarming. We don't have the statistics, but it is on the increase. That's what we found out. Seriously on the increase. So, uh, you know, just counseling people as a pastor, I've seen situations where somebody got married six months ago and then uh, showed up and said, Pastor, it's not working. I said, what do you mean it's not working? We are going to work it. I said, no, it can't work. I said, how do you mean it can't work? It will work. I said, no, I want, uh, I want a break. You know, that's what they say. I want a break. What do you mean? Is it a, 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 a public holiday or... <laughs> because we need, to, we need to straighten this up. Because before you say, because some people just want pastor to say, oh, it's okay to have a break. But if it's a public holiday, we can give you one day. You'll come back. If that's, I can sign on that one. Go, go for one day and come back. <laughs> but the kind of break they're asking for is that, you know, it can't work, it can't work. Let's just go our separate ways. Uh, um, and I believe that the church should take responsibility for disseminating the truth of God's word, which is the only thing that has the power to cement unions together. So that what God has, you know, brought together, the pressures of this world will not put asunder. Is somebody still with me today? So that you're still with me. So the series will be a blessing to marriages. It will be a blessing to singles at the same time. I'd love to start out this afternoon uh, um, with Three basic truths that we believe as a church. I love to do this when starting Mr. and Ms. Better Half series so that we reinforce this belief at the back of our minds. Every other thing I'll be saying all through this month will be premised on these three belief systems. One is that marriage is to make, I mean, is to be enjoyed and not to be endured. Marriage is to be enjoyed and not to be endured. Yeah. So, unlike the days of my mother, and she would say, I'm in this because of you. Don't be in it because of me. Be in it for yourself. <laughs> That's what we're saying. Because the original will of God is a marriage to be enjoyed, not to be endured. There will be a need for endurance. There will be a need for patience. But the primary thing is that two are better than one. That's what the scripture says. Not two are better than one. Because some people will say, I was better off as a single. Pastor, pastor. See, this thing is not working. I, I, I was happier as a single than I am today. It's part of the process. But it should not remain like that. Marriage is to be enjoyed, not to be endured. So we can work out goodness, peace, and happiness into our marriage. Secondly, marriage was and is, is still God's idea, not a man's idea. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. The Bible says, and God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And when God says something is not good, it's not really good. Yeah, because it's God speaking. <laughs> if, a man, if a man says something is not good, you have to check it out very well. If God says something is not good, please take it. It's not good. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. 
will make him a helper that is suitable or comparable to him. Like New King James says, comparable to him. So God, God, this is God's idea. Adam did not go to God and say, God, you know I'm really lonely. How do you solve this problem? I solve it for me. You are God. You can do anything. And God says, give me three days. I'll be back. Let me go and think about it. Or let me pray. And I wonder who God will pray to. Say, <laughs> so let me pray. I'll, I'll be back. That was not what happened. So marriage was not a man's request. It was not a man's idea. Marriage is not a culture of a race. Because some people think, uh, you know, it's just a culture. It started from somewhere. No. Marriage was simply from God's heart. And if you are going to sustain marriage, you can't run it with man-made culture or tradition or beer parlor talks or barbershop talks or talks with your colleagues during lunch break and uh, somebody will just, one ignoramus will tell you, ah, you know, the last time my wife was just talking, talking to her, and I said, I told her to shut up. She didn't shut, I just slapped her. She shut up straight. So next time she talked like that, I just slap her. I say, yes, yes, I'll give you a report. That's the beginning of the end. And that's when we choose to run our marriages with, you know, very ignorant, you know, interactions. And you know, some people, the way they talk about relationship, you hear them like this, you almost pass out. And people are this, still this ignorant about relationship and about how to make marriage work. And it's not their fault. It's because people get marriage certificates without going to school for marriage. <laughs> so you see some people, ignorance is oozing out of their nose. They hear everything. They know next to nothing about how to make a marriage work and they have marriage certificate. Yeah. So marriage is really God's idea, not a man's idea. So you can't run it with your mind. You have to run it with principles from the word of God. If you don't want your marriage to be like fish out of water, which cannot survive, it has to be surrounded with other ideas that have come out of the mind of God, which has been encapsulated into the scriptures. And then we'll bring out those marriage principles. you run your marriage with them. That's what we believe. Marriage is not man's idea, but God's idea. Thirdly, we also believe that marriage, according to God's own intention, marriage is really for holiness and not essentially for happiness. And I'm going to also remind us, I've said it over and again, but I'm reminding us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. We will get plenty of happiness in marriage when we do it the right way. But the only thing God promised us is that it will make us holy. Because marriage has a way of changing you and making you better. So Ephesians chapter 5, when you read from verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself for her, that he might sanctify. Somebody say sanctify. Oh, I want us to preach with me this afternoon. Say sanctify. And cleanse. Say cleanse. Those two words are very important. Say that he may sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Somebody say without blemish. Let's say it together. Holy and without blemish. Holy and without blemish. These are the things that God has in mind. That when I look at my spouse, I should tell myself, this is my sandpaper. And she looks at me and says, I am your sandpaper too. Yeah. Because the Bible says it is to take out the wrinkle, the blemish, the spot. So that when a man marries a wife, 
she gets better in his hands and not bitter. And if in the process of making her better, she may be a little disgruntled, but bitterness should not last. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Bible says, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How? He laid down his life for her. Only people who are dead to the flesh can survive a marriage and build a good home. You have to be dead to the flesh and the dictates of the flesh. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Marriage should build holiness in us. Holiness is God's nature. It is the absence of the work of the flesh. That's what we call holiness. Marriage is supposed to make me holier, not essentially happier. I will be happier when I invest correctly into the marriage. But if you leave the marriage the way it's supposed to be, you will be holy and happy. But if you say, what's the purpose? The real purpose is not happiness, it's holiness. <laughs> is there anything that looks like, uh, you know, mushy mushy in this scripture that we read? No. To make somebody smooth, without blemish, without wrinkle, with some paper each other. Am I saying the truth? The only problem is that these days, the moment somebody shows up with a sandpaper, somebody's running. <laughs> Straight. In fact, in a relationship. Just that, uh, you know, some guys will say, Pastor, you see, that baby I told you I just met, you know, last month. Pastor, I don't think I'll do it again. Our Allah is too much. I say, what's the problem? She will just come in. I'll come in the morning and be asking me if I prayed today. That's your sandpaper. Take it. He's not asking you to curse anybody. Say pray. Abby, she's just asking you if you have prayed today. And it has become a problem. And somebody's already running away. I mean, you're you quiet on me. That's, that's the truth. That's what I deal with. <laughs> that's what I deal with. You see, a lot of young men, they can't, they can't even take anybody making a comment about something they've done wrong. They start to run. Why don't you go and marry a mannequin that cannot talk? <laughs> And just be carrying it around. This is my wife. <laughs> that's, that, I mean, that's, that's the solution to some people. Because this way, the way you are running away from every lady that can just say something about what you have done wrong, you don't understand marriage. The same, and it's vice versa. For a guy to just say, oh, you can do this better, and you're already thinking, oh, it's coming to control my life. What is it? I have my life to live. If you understand what God had in mind for marriage, it's for me to be better. Two are better than one. You can flip it. The same word, better. You can say two are holier than one. So all this pool of the flesh that I'm dealing with, when I come into marriage, it's supposed to help me to straighten out. That's the first and primary reason. It's not good a man should be alone. That means if he's not alone, he will be better. It will be holier. Am I saying the truth? Those are foundational beliefs that we hold very dear as a church. Very dear. We build all of that things on top of it. Marriage is God's idea. It's to be enjoyed, not to be endured. And it's to make me better. Make me holier. Yeah. Praise God. I said praise God. Let me you know, put my discussion today together with discussing for the next few minutes, building to last, building a foundation for your marriage. Whether you're married or single, you have to pay attention to the issue of foundation. 
You know, we said that the divorce rate is going up, and it's because the foundation can no longer hold what we are building. The pressure is getting fierce. And this was what Jesus had to say about the issue of foundation. In Matthew 7, and verse number 24 uh, and 25, Jesus had this to say about foundation. He said, a good, he said therefore, uh, um, whoever hears this saying of mine and does them, it will be likened to a wise man who built his house, built his house on the rock. He says, the rain descends, the flood came, the wind blew and beat on the, that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Give me verse 26. Verse 26. It says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And verse 27 says that the rain descended, the flood came, the wind blew and beat on it, on that house, and it fell. It did what? And great was his fall. And what's the issue? Weather elements. But one withstood it, the other one could not. The wind, the storm, the flood. Today's winds are becoming fiercer and fiercer. The wind of compromise, media pressure, social network wind has blown the lead off many marriages. Blackberry messenger wind. Yeah. Some men, they go to bed and sleep. Their phone is inside their boxer shot. Because what they call in Yoruba, Ashiri. The plenty, <laughs> the plenty of secret that's inside it. Two souls cannot witness it. You understand? And, you know, so many things blowing on us. I mean, these are the days where somebody will get married and all of a sudden you, you discover that the husband is heterosexual. What kind of nonsense is that? We are living in a dangerous time. The Bible says male and female created them. In our day and age, male and female is not enough for us. We have invented so many. Humanity is now in trouble. Yeah. But I stand by the truth of the word of God that, that I live my life by, that I've subscribed to as a believer. Male and female created it them. God did not create transgender. Thank God I'm in Nigeria. I can't preach this in Canada. They will arrest me. I know. They will arrest me. But this is the word of God and we must preach it. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. There's nothing like transgender in the Bible. The world is creating all kinds of things. All this to put pressure on the foundation of marriage that God, that every other thing rests upon. The family unit is the strongest institution, should be the strongest institution on earth because that's where every other thing rides upon. Every governor, every president, they all came from a home. Whatever you see them do there is whether error of omission or commission. Either they taught them at home or they refuse to teach them. Nobody just becomes corrupt. The proof of area boys are area fathers. Am I, am I saying the truth? There can't be area boys if somebody is shacking his responsibility. And the boy went on the street. The 
devil keeps putting pressure on this family unit, especially through marriage. Yeah. Pressure, 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 pressure. It's degrading our world or sinking. Humanity is endangered. What is supposed to be, you know, an aberration is becoming the norm. In the developed world today, the LGBT community, they are stronger than straight people. In fact, they are oppressing straight people. Because you cannot say anything against that community. Yet, they can say that uh, you are not standing where you are supposed to be standing. They, they, their voice is stronger than the voice of people who uphold truth and righteousness. The world is going upside down. And everything is putting pressure on marriage. Yeah, that, that's the wind and the storm that is coming upon us in our day and time. Sometimes I don't envy people who send underage kids to school abroad. I mean underage. A child that is already formed is okay. Because you, you get to Canada today. I'm going to check it out online. And, you know, I don't envy my friends that live there. A lot of our church members here have relocated there. In some primary schools in Canada today, you have toilet, male, female, and fluid. Fluid is, if you decide that this is my own gender, it's not male and female. Just enter there. Yeah. So you have parent teacher association meeting, and some people, two women, came as parents for one person, and they are kissing in that place. And the children are there, the teachers are there, everybody's there. What kind of word is that? Are you, are you still following me? There are so many wind that is blowing today. Pressure from everywhere. We need to focus on the foundation of our home. We are not living in the generation that our parents lived in. The difference, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the wind that is blowing now is, is different. And sometimes it's even more fierce. And it's coming in this direction. It's coming. It's coming gradually. A recent poll has shown that Nigeria has moved from in the tolerance for uh, gay relationship and gay marriage. We have moved from 3% of Nigerians saying no. Was it last year? To 7% today. So we have only 93 of us. And they said that it takes just about 10 to 15 years for that thing to slide over 50. Because the gay community, they know their agenda and they know how to promulgate it. Promulgate it through every means possible. Brainwash the children, go through the legislation and put pressure. They won't give us aid if we don't do this and do that. Then they, 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 they will come through opinion shapers because most of the top-end musicians will tell you there's nothing wrong with it. And if those are the people our children are following, very soon, you understand? So many ways they put pressure. So the pressure is strong and it's heavy. On marriages. It's so easy today to cheat on your spouse than it has ever been. Yeah. Because you don't even have to go to a hotel. You can, you can cheat on phone. People derive sexual pleasure now. They call it sexting with phone. They send new pictures to each other. <laughs> Somebody said Jesus. <laughs> Please say it very well. I'll be saying it all the time. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need to say it because things are getting out of hand. But the Bible says in the midst of darkness, we will shine. Say amen, somebody. In the midst of darkness, we shine. We shine the light of Jesus. That's what we're here to do, to shine the light of Jesus in the midst of all the darkness around. 
That's why you must build a good foundation for your home, and I must build a good foundation for my home. So that our homes can be different. And we can still say that in the midst of darkness, we are shining. The Bible says in the end times, darkness will cover the heart and gross darkness the, the people. But the, the, the Bible says it, the, the God will shine his light in the midst of his own people. And that's what is happening right now. We need to embrace that light and build a very strong foundation for our homes. Is somebody still here today? So a good foundation is critical to the longevity of a marriage. Very critical. Jesus said it in Matthew 7 there. A good foundation. Build your house on the rock. Let it be firm. Embrace a good foundation if you want your marriage to last. Many of the problems we have in our marriages today, you can attribute them to bad foundations. And God has always given us a second chance to rebuild the foundation of our homes. To pay attention to the things that we didn't pay attention to before. And if you are just about to start to build your home, then pay attention to the right foundation. Before I go into, uh, to close with three areas where we need to pay a good attention to foundation, I want to, I want to bring out the importance of foundation. The importance of foundation. In recent times, I've been studying about foundation. I have a first degree in engineering, so I'm not very far from understanding structures and strength of materials, and those are courses I took in undergraduate days, you know, and uh, I practice engineering a little, so I understand these things, but I took my time recently with my team to really study it because of this series that I'm teaching right now. I, I, I asked myself, which is the tallest building in the world? And the world, and, and Burj Khalifa came up in, in Dubai. That's the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. If you have ever been to Dubai, you'll see it from everywhere. It's almost visible from everywhere. And it has an observatory from which you can see the whole of the Emirates. That's the Burj Khalifa. I judge to be the tallest standing man-made structure today. That's the tallest man-made structure as of today. Before the Burj Khalifa, we had, um, can you give me the, that, other, that other slide? Uh, we've, we've, we've had uh, the pyramids in Egypt. We have the Eiffel Tower in Paris. We have uh, the Empire State Building in, uh, in New York. You, you, you have... Uh, uh, um, the pet, uh, yeah, uh, Petrogas uh, Tower in Kuala Lumpur, Taipei 101, you know, in Japan. Uh, you have the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers that, that, that came down uh, under the terror attack. Those are, I, I mean, at one point, that was the tallest building in the world. And then you have the, the, uh, the tower in Chicago. I've had the privilege of going inside the observatory inside that one. Then you have the CN Tower in Toronto, 2005. I visited the CN Tower in Toronto. That also has an observatory at that level where something round is. Then you have this mast. Yeah. In, um, uh, um, they call it the Blanchard. They, those are not buildings, but they're just mast. At some point, they're the highest. Now, you have the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest structure in the world. Every one of them has something in common. Their foundation is not a common foundation. Foundation is not a common foundation. There was something different about the foundation of each one of them. They have survived time. The Eiffel Tower was built in the 1800s. Yeah. I can't remember the exact date now, but in the 1800s, and still standing. I think I, I, I visited it twice. Last time was two years ago. Yeah. Some of them have been there for over 100 years, and they're still standing. The Burj Khalifa, uh, the, the building... Construction started in 2004 and was concluded in 2010. It took six years to build it. Still standing 
Millions of people go there for tourism every year. There's something about the, 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 the foundation, especially of the Burj Khalifa, that I studied recently, that I think it will interest you. To support this unprecedented height of building, the engineers you know, developed a new structural system that is called the buttress core. Why? Because they knew that at that height, 829.8 meters in height, 200, about 211 floors on the Burj Khalifa, is, 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 uh, is not a joke at all. It's mega tall skyscraper. They took their time. They flew in some of the best engineers in the world to come into Dubai. Uh, uh, flew in, you know, a special architect. It, was, it was, was not a joke by any means. They knew where they were going. You know, we live in a time and an age where somebody wants to get into marriage, and you're talking to just your friends. They are as ignorant as you are. They know next to nothing about a relationship just like you. And then they are your sounding board. So they tell you something. I say, yes, I've been telling everybody, don't believe me. At least you believe me. Two ignorant people corroborating ideas. You understand the same? Ignoramus, ignoramus is raised to power two. Ignoramus. And as far as they're concerned, they're making sense to each other. It's like wanting to build a Burj Khalifa and you then went to Unilag and gather undergraduates. <laughs> you, know, you know that's a failure going somewhere to happen. You understand what I'm saying? And that's how some people are, are, you know, approach marital relationships. That's how some people just approach it. They gathered people together from all over the world, top-notch engineers, top-notch architects. In fact, in 2007 or 2008, I was watching a construction show on CNN, and they said one-third of all the construction cranes in the world at that time were in Dubai. Most of them working on the Burj Khalifa and many other developments around Dubai at that time. One-third of all the construction cranes in the world mobilized in one direction because something out of this world is about to happen there. How much of effort are you putting into the building of the foundation of your marriage? Who is speaking to you? Is there any expert advice that you're taking? Because what you are building is as important as the Burj Khalifa. Or maybe I should ask you the question, are you building a bungalow or a Burj Khalifa? It's a very simple thing. You can answer the question. The way you have been so flimsy about the foundation of your home, you can ask yourself, What's it, what are you envisaging as far longevity? Or you just think things just endure. Some people just think some things just endure. They can, be, they can be enduring unhappiness. But if you want something to endure, last, remain strong, and a reference point, there's a need to mobilize a lot of effort into the building of it. You get a lot of those efforts from hearing, from reading, from, you know, from consulting the one who set up the institution in the first instance. Are you still with me today? So what are you building? Is there a vision? What can you see in the future for your family? This young family that you just set up, this one that you are be believing God to be able to set up, do you have a vision for it? Because it's when you have a vision for it, you've determined how far you want to go, then you go back and dig the foundation and make it strong. Let me not bore you with too many details. But you see, that buttress core that they designed for the Burj Khalifa is a Y-shaped foundation. So that in whichever way the building will rock, 
it will support it itself. It can support all the strain and the wind that will blow on it. And that, this Y-shaped structure, there are 192 piles sitting through it. Each of those piles, look at one of them. I got this picture on the internet. Each of these piles has a diameter of 1.5 meters. I'm just 1.7. So if you want to know how big this pile, this, this pillar that goes down to support this building is, just think about the GP tank that you use at home. That two-liter, five-liter tank. That's how big they are. Yeah. They sank 192 of these, and they went 50 meters deep. That's what is carrying that building. Yeah. So, what effort are you putting into your foundation? What are you sinking? Are you sinking lies or sinking the truth? <laughs> yeah. Because some people in the foundation of their marriage, they have sunk so many lies. There's no way the thing can stand. It's just a matter of time. And there's a Yoruba adage that says that lies can go for 20 years, but in one day, truth will catch up with it. Are you still with me today? We have stories of collapsed building all around our nation today, and especially in this city. And a lot of the time when engineers come together, when they, when they research it, they will say, either they, they went beyond the number of floors they're supposed to go that the foundation can carry, or the foundation has been faulty from beginning. And when you flip this back to our discussion, Marriage is just like building. It's just like building a building. If you refuse to pay attention to the foundation, it will come to hurt you in the future. And for some of us who are already married now, you need to dis discover where do we have 40 foundations that we need to rebuild. Many years ago, I bought my first house in this city. That was before this church started. The only thing was that I've decided not to answer, I mean, ask funny questions because sometimes you say, ah, uh, who sent me? Why did I, did, he, uh, did I not pray enough? Did, sometimes God just, you know, you just need to put things behind you and believe that you have learned a lesson. <laughs> because it was an estate. <laughs> Two or three years after we moved in, we just realized that the, the buildings started to tilt. <laughs> and I was at least fortunate. The tilt in my own building was not visible. Even though when the engineers came, they said it was already tilting too, but it wasn't visible. Many houses are tilted badly. And when we called the residence association meeting, uh, because they, they, I was already pastoring then, but they knew that I had a foundation in engineering, so they said I should lead the infrastructure committee to approach the developer and let him bring all the documents. Let us check. In digging into everything, we realized that uh, they did not have a structural and, I mean, foundation design at all. They just did design. They just did something. Yeah. The piles did not touch where they were supposed to touch. We had to start from the beginning. Brought in geotechnical people to do the survey to, uh, to know how much debt we're supposed to go into. And those of us who were able to salvage our homes, we had to do what they call underpinning. So we sank fresh piles. Because that time it cost me five, five million naira to do it. Yeah. But I had to spend five million naira to salvage 30 million naira investment. They underpinned from different sides and connected it back to the foundation. So today the house is still standing. I have a tenant inside it. That time, they told me to pull it down. I said, that will be double wala for dead body. Because I was still paying a mortgage. How do you pay a mortgage for what you cannot see that has been pulled down? 
I mean, my wife and I were agonized over that building. We prayed. We did everything. And, you know, God helped us to, <laughs> to pass through that phase. <laughs> I've gone through a few things in my life. I know I look young, but these eyes have seen trouble. <laughs> Praise God. But I've learned vital lessons from there that transcend building into life. While we're going through that, we transposition that knowledge into so many things in my home. And we kept asking ourselves several questions. Will we ever make this kind of mistake again? Not only in building investment, but in every aspect of life. That you don't check the foundation of anything before you go into it can create a lot of trouble for you. Let me round off today with three things. Check the foundation of your marriage spiritually. 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 It's extremely important. Extremely important. The three aspects where you need to have a firm foundation, one is spiritual. If you're single here, the process of knowing who to marry, have you carried God along with it? Or do you just have a list of tall, dark, handsome, rich, and anybody that can, you can tick everything, all the boxes, is okay. Somebody will say, Pastor, that does not need prayer. He needs to have money. Prayer will not pay school fees, money. That's what some people say. Or oh, I want to marry somebody who is a professional, professional. It's not because he has a job today that you're calling him professional. <laughs> you know how many people carry certificates around? <laughs> it's not somebody who has a professional that is called professional. If you don't have a job, your profession is useless. Your professionality, nobody recognizes it. I don't understand what I'm saying. It's extremely important. People have so many wrong reasons for getting married. And everything except what is God saying. Have I prayed very well about it? Now that you are even married, do you, are you strengthening your spiritual foundation? Do you pray together with your spouse? Do you pray with your children? What is the process of making decisions in your home? Do we come together to pray about this decision before we make it? Those are the spiritual foundations that must be a part of our home. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, the B part. It says a three-foot cord cannot be easily broken. A three-foot cord. Who is it? What's the third part of the cord? God. A three-foot cord is not easily broken. God has to be. God has to be a part of this arrangement. God has to be a part of this arrangement. It's extremely important. Extremely important. You need to revisit the foundation of your home looking at how God has been involved. Is God involved in it? Is God involved in it? Secondly, for the want of a better word, I call it the chemical foundation. We're talking about chemistry. 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 How do we keep sustaining chemistry? What's the foundation for chemistry? Do you have a wrong belief about marriage? Did, did you marry somebody for the wrong reasons and there was no connection between both of you? Because we've had some er erroneous theological teachings that say that uh, the person that God wants for you may be, may be the person that you, are, you don't want to and you have to take it like that. <laughs> some, so, I mean, some people have preached before and said, how you know that God is involved in this thing is that the person, you won't like the person. <laughs> I mean, what kind of thing is that? <laughs> As if God is a killjoy, just want to spoil, spoil everything for you. Bring one uh, 
you are this tall one, God brings you around and say, that's, that's the person. <laughs> you, you understand? What I, that's the imagery in the mind of some people. So even when they see people that they seem to like, they'll tell themselves, it can't be the will of God. Because God always wants you to marry somebody that you don't like. <laughs> I mean, so many funny belief systems that people have that we need to debunk. There's a chemistry foundation for marriage. We have to be connected. Sometimes it's intellectual in connection. Some other times it's a physical connection. We like each other. We, we feel connected with each other when we see each other. The only thing with the chemistry foundation is that you must not take it too far. And it must not be the only foundation because for some people, the only foundation they have for their relationship is chemistry. No spiritual connection. The third one is relational. When the only, I'm coming back to relational, but when the only foundation you have is chemistry, what happens is that chemistry is very volatile. Look at, look at the imagery. It's very volatile. It's difficult to keep together. It overpowers you. When you have the other foundations, it helps you to balance the chemistry. When it's only chemistry, you see each other. Within seconds, you're already necking and petting and tearing clothes off each other's body. Chemistry will overpower you. It will become physics, physical. Before you know it, it will become biology. And a child will enter into the equation even before you say, I do. Yeah. And what happens at that point is that you are bringing complications into it. Because two, it's already difficult to manage. And you brought the third one into it. You understand? The problem here is that when we allow chemistry to overpower us, we need to go back to our spiritual foundation and rebuild our spiritual foundation and then focus on the relational foundation so we create a better balance. But if you are here to marry, deal very well with chemistry. Don't take it for granted. What I mean is that don't allow it to overpower you. It must exist, but it must be managed. Are you hearing me now? It must exist. It's important, but it must be managed. The third foundation is relational. The relational foundation. It's, it's important that we build friendship. We develop friendship. Relational foundation has to do with friendship, with trust, with understanding each other's temperament, with relational skills, with communication, with vulnerability. Friendship, relational foundation seems to be perhaps the most overbearing out of because it can it can it can bring every other thing in place. If, if I'm developing friendship with someone, we can pray together. Yeah. If I'm developing friendship with someone, we can maintain chemistry. You know, a lot of the time people think that um, when relational foundation is shaky, it's because chemistry is not good again. No. <laughs> so they think, oh, if I can lure this person, if I can do this, if we just sleep together once, our relationship will come back in order. It doesn't work that way. Women know. Men don't know because they are moved by what they see. But women know that it doesn't work like that. And women also will agree with me. We'll get into that in a few weeks. The fact that what a man calls intimacy is not what a woman calls intimacy. Intimacy starts with good relationship. 
For a man, intimacy is physical. You look good. And it's okay for me. Yeah. A man's brain locates from his head to his feet in about 15 seconds when he sees a nude picture. <laughs> but for a woman, it's not like that. There's a need for emotional connection before intimacy can be meaningful. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's a major difference. A major difference. And that's where relational foundation is extremely important. How do you maintain chemistry? Relational foundation. Yeah. Relational foundation. Well, if we're working on our friendship, we will not, our attraction will not be going down for each other. When we become strangers to each other, attraction will start to dissipate. And before you know it, there's no chemistry. And you tell yourself there's no basis for praying together or doing anything together. You know, so the whole marriage just becomes weak and collapsing. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me? Extremely important that we build something that will last in those three areas. I'll continue with the relational foundation and maybe a bit of chemistry next Sunday. Can you lift up your right hand to Jesus this afternoon? And I want you to say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I consciously invite you into my marital destiny. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be a disgrace. I want you to help me. I invite you to order my steps, to order my thinking. I receive from you wisdom in the name of Jesus to make good out of every experience that you will give me. I submit to you today my marital destiny and I ask for divine assistance. I choose not to run my home only with my brain. I want to run it with your principles. Help me, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to give you one or two minutes. Just say a word of prayer or two to God in your heart. Just alone, by, all by yourself. Just say something to God. Whatever you're struggling with in your relational experience, can you just talk to God about it? Can you talk to God about it? In just a moment. Whatever the struggle may be, why don't you talk to God about it? Somebody may be saying, Lord, you need to help me with this marriage. The only way I'm not going to call it quit is if I know I have your grace. My heart is shaking. I want you to talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. He hears prayers and he answers prayers. Somebody may be saying, Lord, I've been waiting for too long. Why don't you talk to God about it? But reaffirm your faith in him and let him know that you believe he can do all things. And you choose to wait for him and for that person that he will bring into your life. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless your name. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of being in your presence today. We thank you for the truth of your word. And we ask everlasting Father for divine assistance in our relational destiny. Lord, I pray for every marriage represented here that may be going through trouble. I command peace in the name of Jesus. I declare that the hand of God rests upon you to do you good in the land of the living. 
I decree peace over these marriages. I ask that the wisdom of God be supplied to you. I ask for divine direction for you. For everyone trusting God for a life partner here. We ask in the name of Jesus, Father, bring them into a season of divine connection. Let your grace visit everyone. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, if there be any man or any woman who is going through pain in their relationship right now, we break the hold of bitterness. We ask that you will heal our hearts. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Two are better than one. Make these relationships better. Take bitterness away from the midst of us. And let your name be glorified. We bless you and we praise you. Still with all eyes bowed and all eyes closed, can I pray for anyone here today who may be saying, I don't know Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want God to forgive me my sins. I want something new to start in my life. I want to pray for you. 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 Somebody may be saying, I really want a good relationship with God. I want to build a good spiritual foundation for my life. I want to start with my life before I even get into my relationship. Pastor, why don't you pray that God will forgive me my sins? Let's pray together if you don't mind. Anyone at all who may want to say this prayer with me today. You want to give your life to Christ or rededicate your heart to Jesus? 